Listening Dog Media. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. The Rugby Podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. Today we're joined on Rocket with myself, Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter by the rugby legend, Jamie Peacock. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. Hello, Jamie. Now then, how are you doing? Are you all right, Nick? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, you're good there, mate. You're good there. Um, mate, thanks Thank very you, much mate. for sparing the time to talk to uh, myself and Brax on our podcast. Um, really appreciate it, mate. And from a personal point of view, Big Leeds Rhinos fan, so I know a lot about your career, mate. Watch your play. Uh, we're about the same age, be a hero of mine in that uh, in that code, that's for sure. So uh, it's a real pleasure from my point of view. Well, it's a pleasure to be on it as well, Nick. And thanks very much for doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm being on and speak a little bit. Yeah, you you was a harlequin, weren't you, with when, when Brian Mack was down there and that you, you know him from the times down there yeah, he spoke yeah that's right there. man he used to take a few sessions and uh obviously he was highly successful at Leeds when he went up there and uh you know he worked he worked with what he had down at Quinns and at the time I think they were overachieving then as well very innovative yeah. coach isn't he and uh he took a few of our sessions actually and he came in with you know he had some good points to make he changed a few things as well and he's certainly a guy that when he speaks you listen to he does command a bit of authority doesn't he Jamie, I can't believe how good you're looking. Look at the state of me and Nick. Look at you. Look at the really <laughs> thinking, strong. <laughs> mate, I, I was thinking the opposite. I was thinking, fucking, these guys look good. I'm looking old here. <laughs> Same age as me. I'm looking old. Mate, you're rocking, mate. You're rocking the grey beard and the grey hair. It's a lot better than having no beard and no hair, eh, Brad? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Oh, Still man. hanging on there, mate. Exactly. Right, just uh, look at your career, mate, without uh, wanting to embarrass you, but... Is it nine times you won Super League? Nine? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean... Six, six with Leeds, three with Bradford, four Challenge Cups, four World uh, Club Challenge. Is that right? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I mean, you two know, right? As a rugby player, it's, it's good to be a good individual, but you need to be in good teams, though, yeah? And, and the, the better teams you're in, the more chance you've got silverware but also I was I always found that the better team you're in it's easier for you to play well because you've got good players around you and they, and they make it easier because the opposition is worrying about them as much as a, as they're worrying worrying about you and for me I think my, my career was great in respects of timing I was at Bradford at the right time uh, and then left at the right time to go into Leeds and get in there and uh, be among some very, very good players again. So kind of when you look back, you think you, you've had some amazing times, you know, spent a lot. I thought the other day, I thought, I reckon I spent nearly two months of my life celebrating um, with, with the wins. <laughs> if you think like three days after winning like 20 times, it's two months of celebrating. Um, so I thought, you know what, it's a good career that. But I was lucky to be in those teams, you know, I'm thankful for that. Few few mad Mondays in there, mate. And you're right, mate. You're right. It is a team. It is a team game. You have got to celebrate that and everything you say. But sometimes, mate, you're out on your own on the field, aren't you? And you have to individually handle yourself. And I'm not sure what comes up on YouTube when you type in Jamie Peacock, but I'm pretty certain that the uh, when you filled in Willie Mason in uh, I, don't, I don't know, it was in Australia. I'm not sure yeah. where it was, which ground. You probably fill that in, but. Uh, I remember that well, mate. Was that was that 06, was it? Touring and was it 06? And, yeah, you, uh, you, had, you had to, you were at Bradford Bulls then, weren't you? And, and your, your mate Stewie, Stewie Fielding um, 
had to take one for the team, didn't he? He got blindsided a bit and uh, you went after him, mate. And, uh, and I love that clip because you got this big bully because he's a big man, Willie Mace, isn't he? Big bullying kind of figure. And you just went at him, mate, and he shat himself in all fairness. <laughs> I know you won't say as much. You're probably good mates with him and you, you want to be quite sort of uh, magnanimous about it. But uh, I tell you, from the outside looking at it, mate, and if anyone wants to YouTube it as well, he proper shits himself when uh, you know a hard, hard Brit comes straight at him. I appreciate you saying that. It's really good that you said that, mate. I mean, look, that's the one thing that I go. I think rugby league is quite tribal, um, and, and you go in different clubs. And obviously, like Wigan and Saints fan, ain't got much love for me as a player because I've stayed at Leeds and won at Bradford, but. They all want to talk about that incident. I think that's the thing you guys know, playing for your country just brings it so much together, but gets rid of all that tribal side of it. And for me, when I was always captaining, I never thought to myself, I'm not a clutch player, you know, I'm not the guy who's going to come up with the winning player, but I'm the guy who could stand up for, stand up for my teammates and that's what I'm going to do. And I thought to myself, I knew all year we were going to tour, um, you know, and I thought there's a chance of me being captain here and I thought to myself all year, I'm going to lead down there is if there's anything kicks off, I'm going to be the first person in there no matter what. Uh, and that, that happened what two weeks before. We played a, a friendly against, well, not friendly, but a trial against the Newcastle side. One of their players was being a bit of a dickhead with one of our halves and I was straight in there, got Simbin and that kind of was the uh, preview to that. And then it was the same. Then you, you, you don't think, you, you think about these things beforehand and when it takes place on the pitch, it's just instinct. Uh, and that was kind of that. But it's the one thing that people always want to talk about, that particular incident. And you, you know the rivalry, you took between the Aussies and the English. But the next day in the bar, even though we beat the Aussies, there was plenty of Aussies wanting to buy me a beer. So I think he's a character, Willie, who, who splits opinions. You know, yeah. some love him, some hate him, but even the, even the Aussies. Is he, the, is he the Donald Trump of rugby, is he? He's <laughs> a bit like the Austin, 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 the, Austin, or the Austin Healy of rugby union. But I, I was just, I'm, I'm really intrigued. I mean, Martin Johnson, you know, you remind, you remind me of Martin Johnson. You know, he was never the guy who's going to score the tries, but... Boy, he was an enforcer around the pitch. Had to have him on your side was amazing. But you know, I, I was very fortunate enough to play with some some greats like Jason Robinson, who succeeded in in both codes. Um, I also played with um, you know a few other players. You know, Andy, Andy, uh, and uh, Andy. Uh, I can't get his name out. Uh, Farrell. <laughs> who didn't quite make it. So I'm, I'm always intrigued as to why, you know, the games are so similar, apart from maybe the set piece, the games are, are, are quite similar in nature and why there's not been a lot more transition both ways. I know Luther Burrell went across um, and now he's come back into union, but actually there's only been a few success stories, um, you know, either way. I know Quinnell did well in both uh, and so it's interesting why there hasn't been like a plethora of players from both codes just swapping in uh, each season you know yeah, yeah I, I think it's a great point you make and you're right and I think I think it's just down to muscle memory I, I think when you're playing yeah. a lot you you do about 80% of what you do just on muscle memory from, say, you're playing professional. You might have played for 20 years before and then it's just that muscle memory. You do stuff without thinking and I think to be able to perform at an elite level and you, you're having to use all your brain power to think about everything and there's not much that's muscle memory, I, I think it makes it incredibly difficult for either nowadays to move into either core because instead of just spending, instead of being able to do stuff by instinct and yeah. just have a feel for a game, you know, I, I, towards the end of my career, I, I could just, 
you, you could just read a game and understand things that were going on and not put too much thought into it. But I reckon, like, people who change codes and move codes, I bet it's like being a nine-year-old playing the game for the first time, a lot of it, that you yeah. just haven't got that muscle memory and that ability to remember how to do things. And I think that's the key thing, really. I think we operate a lot of that elite sport on just our instincts and the stuff we've trained and done for years upon years upon years. And you just can't get that in six months or a year, that kind of experience. That's a, that's, a, that's a very pertinent point. I mean, we yeah. were talking before, and I suppose it's a little bit like martial arts. You know, you're not going to suddenly become a you know karate world champion if you're the judo world champion or you know boxing world champion to MMA. There's a, there's a hell of a a lot more in terms of the skill set and the learnings and the, the you know the, the type of sort of combat fighting that goes on. And although they might look similar games, there's a hell of a lot of differences. Hell of a lot of differences when you play, especially at the highest level. That's well. Played. Yeah, I think as well. Like I reckon, at the backstage of your career, when you were playing rugby union, you'll have seen things unfold, and you've almost knew they were going to unfold, weren't you? Can see almost patterns. You see the game as patterns, and that that'd be the same with the league. As the back in your career, you see the game as patterns, and you think, I reckon something's going to happen over there, or if we do this, then this might happen. And I think when you change codes, you just have none of that. You just have none of that ability to see a little bit further into the future. Um, I, think, I think experience I think, gives you that. I think that's right. And I think the reason why Jason Robinson was so successful was actually his job was just catch the ball and run and beat defenders. Whereas when you look at, say, and you know, Andy Farrell, Sam Burgess, there was there was never an understanding of where he would play. And and Nick always says the back row is the hardest position to play in. And I would say it'd be number nine. But you know what I mean? It's actually quite hard to get a specific role for them, whereas much easier in rugby league, I suppose. But I'm surprised that lots of summer union players haven't gone across to league and, and you know what I mean that's the other thing is not going across and how to go apart from Luther Burrell and one or two others you know I, I think uh, it, I always think in life uh, talent goes where money is um, yeah I think you saw yeah. that and I think if you if there was the right amount of money within league I think you'd see other players try it from Rugby Union try it but I just think you know, if you compare in the last 20 years, I feel rugby league's probably just uh, tread water for a little bit, certainly in this country, whereas rugby union's grown massively. And I, I think that's why you're not seeing as much people uh, move over because you, 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 you've got a limited career. You know, if you could do this for 30 years and you'd see lots of people swap, wouldn't you? But we've only yeah. got so many good seasons in us. And why would you want to waste your good season trying to learn something that you're not quite sure whether you can do? Were you, were you ever tempted? Were you ever tempted playing and, and maybe, you know, post-career as a coach, like a few of them have done, you know, Sean, Sean's done that, Sean Edwards, Andy Farrell, a few others, you know, like some Mike Ford, Phil Lardy, you know, who were obviously before our time. But uh, were you ever tempted as a player? But, yeah, I mean, I, I think when Andy Farrell moved over, you know, I got asked, same agent, do you want to do it? And I was like, look, mate, I think I've been lucky to make it a rugby league. I want to really make my name in a rugby league player first. But then towards my back end of my career, you know, certainly um, the last three or four years, I'd love to I'd love to come over and play, you know, certainly in the background, I'd love to play at eight, you know, eight carrying the ball a lot would have suited me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I agree with you, <laughs> 100%. And I just thought, that would have suited me, but you know, time runs out when you're done it. You, you, you start getting old, you, you can't do the things you used to be able to do. I mean, if we could play till our 50s, I'd definitely be over, over playing, but unfortunately, I, not. J just want to get your opinion on, and this is Nick and I talking on our podcast about, um, you know, how rugby clubs are going to survive too much longer now, now that we can't get any supporters into the stands. 
listen, it, there's been a lot said in uh, in rugby union with the RFU losing 130 million, really struggling. A lot of the clubs saying that you know half the, half the clubs may go bust before too long. Is it that bad in in rugby league? Is it similar? Yeah, I think it, I think it's across all sports now, and I think in rugby league yeah. it's the same. We were fortunate to to get. Uh, a loan from the government early on to help out clubs. So yeah. I'm just not of the understanding why the government are helping bail sports clubs out as much as they are hospitality and tourism because I think sports clubs, no matter what sport, they're just at the heart of the community. Yeah. Every single professional club's at the heart of the community. And what sporting clubs give people is say someone's in a crap job and they have a crap week in, in a crap job. But on their Friday, Saturday or Sunday, they've got a chance to be a champion. They've got a chance to live their lives and enjoy it and, and go on, on wonderful stories and journeys because of sport. Sport goes in and the amount of kids that could have gone down the wrong track but do it because of sport is incredible. And I think for the government not to try more to help the sporting industry, it's just, it's just wrong. It's just absolutely wrong in, in my book and uh, in my opinion. And more needs to be done across every single sport, you know, all the team sports, but, you know, individual sports such as boxing and, and, and other places like that need this support from the government. Absolutely spot on, mate. Um, another, you know, on, you know, sadly, you know, another, you know, another thing that doesn't get much funding as well is, um, you know, motor neuron disease, um, which, you know, another member of that all-conquering Leeds Rhino side, uh, you know, another hero of mine from from league, Rob Burrow. You know, mighty mouse, only five foot five, wasn't he? But my God, what a pocket rocket! And and he was a clutch player. My God, he'd come in with the last minute plays. But you know, sadly, in the last sort of year, eighteen months, we, we've become aware of his struggles with the devastating illness of you know MND, and along with Doddy Weir in rugby union. You know, they've both been you know doing tremendous things to obviously raise awareness. And you yourself, you know, being an ex-teammate, and obviously we're invited to talk a hell of a lot more about it now, um, have been, you know, are about to take part in an ultra marathon to raise money for him and his family. And also did the, is it the Goggins Challenge um, <laughs> back in April? Um, you know, severe, severe challenges these. Um, but, you know, clearly it's a, you know, a cause well worth doing it for. Do you just want to sort of embellish a little bit more about that and how Robbie's getting on as well? Yeah, definitely, Nick. Uh, first, I, I reckon you guys would love Rob Burroughs. You'd love to play with him, love to have him in the dressing room. I mean, for me, he was probably the, the bravest player I played alongside because, you know, rugby's both calls are tough sports, right? You, you know, you've got to get rid of self-preservation to play it. But when you're five foot four and running to blocks, 40, 50 kilos heavier than you, then that's real courage and real bravery. And there's been plenty of small players with speed that haven't had as big a careers as Rob. And the reason why they haven't is because Rob was prepared to run in the gaps where they possibly get killed within that gap but that was his bravery and that was his courage but also Rob was just he was a great guy to have around the dressing room he was, he was a funny funny lad you know always quoting movies seeing the funny side of life but it was great bringing the young players through always made time for him um, and I always remember that I thought it was the best I played with it bringing young lads through but then obviously he's been um, you know diagnosed with the with the MND and there's no cure at the moment you're right there's a lack of funding there um, so Myself and the team have all pulled round him as players. There's plenty of um, challenges and fundraising events happening. Myself and Simon Dent are going to be running uh, an ultra marathon in Ada Robin 10 days' time now, 55k, 2,000 metres of ascent uh, across Exmoor. 
in nine days' time. And we just want to try to raise as much money as we can for Rob. We're at, we're at 20000 now, which is a, is a great amount. Um, we'd love to get to maybe 30000 to to do that as well. And it's just... It's just, yeah, yeah, it's just sad, you know, when, when you play with somebody and they get hit with an illness like that and he's only 37, he's, he's, a, he's a young guy and he's got family, you know, three, three kids and, and, a, and a wife. And it's difficult to see because in January he managed to play in a fundraising game, 20,000 people at Edinley. And, and now, you know, he's, he's, he's having to move around in a wheelchair some of the time. So uh, it's really hit him hard and deteriorated rapidly, but he's still there. He's still got his funny side of things. And I, and I think, our sport set him up, you know, to uh, be courageous in sport and also to see the positives are going to help him in his fight with, with the MND. It's like Doddy, we're the same, you know, they both remind me to, they look like they've got similar personalities to me. Yeah. Well, that's a, you know, tr- tremendous that you're doing that. What's, um, you know, what sort of link or website can uh, any sort of listeners or subscribers um, donate to? Have you got one? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a Just Giving page. If you just Google, say, Just Giving, Rob Burroughs and Jamie Peacock, the link will come up and, and drop onto the link and Simon set it up. And if you could give anything, Lord, it'd, be, it'd be outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Uh, and we'd really appreciate it as well. Um, so, yeah, it'd be awesome if you could do that. Yeah, he's one of the true, you know, the true, brave, courageous and successful guys of, of sport, you know, in this country, let alone rugby league. Um, what's um, so at the moment, Jamie? You know, back to you. Uh, you at Le- you at Leeds Rhino still? Yeah, I'm just there in a kind of like working in commercial. <laughs> was 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 working in commercial, yeah. uh, but not at the <laughs> moment. Uh, and I was doing a little bit with the, the the leadership group with the Rhinos as well. But I'm not in that kind of bubble again at the moment. So I, I'm not. Uh, I'm doing little bits where I can for commercial, but again, you know, you're in coaching now. I mean, it's just all, it's just a little bit different with everything, isn't it? But yeah. I think, you know what, I was thinking on the way down here before in my car, thinking about this, that I think kind of rugby, um, gives you the skills to be able to deal with COVID because I, I think in rugby, you're like problem solving all the time, aren't you? You, you know, without even knowing, you, you're problem solving when when you've got to come up and implement like a game plan to beat a team that when you're underdogs or when things change on the field and stuff happens. And and I think in rugby, both codes, stuff, uncertain times happen all the time because you never know what your opposition's going to do, right? You never know who's going to get injured. You never know what the results are going to be. So I think we've been you know, well prepared, fortunately, through our careers to kind of deal with this, to have the right mindset to crack on yeah, with it. Yeah, you know, you're not, you're not far from being under pressure in, you know, different circumstances as well. Yeah. As you say, whether it just be, you know, the pressure of getting off the floor and, you know, blowing out your ass, or the pressure <laughs> of obviously the big games or the pressure of the big moments and, you know, scoreboard territory, whatever it might be. And um, you're right, you know, there's a lot of adversity in rugby and in sport and, uh, you know, it helps you deal with those challenges and to overcome them. And, uh, you know, it goes back to what you were saying in terms of the benefits that it gives communities, individuals and, and how it can be sort of low down the priority list. Um, international rugby league, Jamie, because I think big difference from my end, you know, you could disagree with me, is rugby union is very much an international game in terms of where it generates its interest, you know, certainly globally and crowds and, you know, marketing opportunities, you know, but, you know, pre-COVID. Whereas rugby league was much more about, you know, the club, you know, Super League's a massive occasion. Challenge Cup's got a great history. Um, down, down in Australia, we know what a state of origin in our NRL in terms of the sort of intensity and quality of, uh, of rugby league, that, that sort of gives you. Whereas the international side are sort of, 
died off a little bit, you know, when I was growing up and you had the Great Britain Australia series, you know, on BBC with Ray French commentating, you know, I mean, that was just, you know, that brings back great memories. Um, and they're just, they're sort of trying to find a way to, you know, regenerate that interest, are they? And, you know, find a formula or maybe a window when it fits in and is suitable. I know it's different now, you know, with, what's happened this year, but, uh, you know, previous to that, and hopefully if we get through this, I mean, where do you see that, the international game going? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I agree with you 100%. I think the, the great thing when I, I always watch rugby union were, were the international occasions. I was just so jealous of, of, of you guys, you know, playing in front of 70,000 people and it just being the absolute pinnacle. And I think in, in rugby league, they the missed a jump with that. I think certainly the turn of the century, those efforts to make it, you know, be more important to play for for your country. And I think over the last five or six years, that effort has been made. I thought the World Cup in 2017 in uh, Australia was hugely important. And we're going to have a World Cup in 2021 here, which will be important. But again, it's almost like the international calendar is, is never important enough. It's just an add-on at the end of the year rather than an integrated part of the calendar that we should celebrate. And I think as a player, Certainly for, for me, I obviously had some great moments, um, you know, winning grand finals and challenge cups. But the ones that stick with me are playing for my country. I just loved playing for my country because it would be an honest, right? There's been there's been some terrible players win a grand final, I think, you know, or win a challenge cup who snuck in into a team and don't probably deserve it that much. But when yeah. you play for your country and you beat someone like Australia, you've deserved your shirt and you've done your best for your country. So they're kind of the best memories. You want to play against the benchmark, don't you? you know, the benchmark in Australia in rugby leagues, Australia, and you want to test yourself against that benchmark. And, and people want to see that, don't they? They want to see the best against the best. And I think that's why, um, you know, the international game is so strong in rugby union because people want to see that. People want to see the countries go against each other, the cultures go against each other. And I think we missed a trick in rugby league, but we're way behind and it's something we... we no doubt need to improve. But the 2021 World Cup could do that. It could be a great World Cup off the back of, you know, hopefully crowds back again in 2021. <laughs> yeah, hope, hopefully, you know, whether they, you know, they like rugby league or rugby union or football or whatever, people just probably want to get to a stadium because yeah. <laughs> yeah. here is live sport again and sort of just get out of the house, won't they? Um, finally, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot, of, a lot of your fans may want to know, and you probably answer this a million times over, Instead of best player, toughest player you played with, toughest against? Yeah, right. Great question. Uh, I love it. Uh, the best, the toughest, there's two toughest players. Uh, the toughest I've played with would be Adrian Morley. Uh, Adrian Morley by, by some distance. I mean, he, he was, he, I think, an inspiration to most forwards my age. I think he's a guy on the pitch who would ne really never ever take a backward step. There's no way that you could deviate him physically from him playing at his best. He would do, he would play how he wanted to. And the, the harder it got, the better he played. And I think they're the tough players out there. The more intense it gets, the more fire they have in the belly. They're the ones you want to play with. And then probably playing against, uh, I, I'm going to go up with uh, a different slant on this. The toughest player I played against would be Darren Locker, the Australian captain. Now I'm going to go for a different reason for this because... I think a number of times we'd be playing the Aussies, certainly, you know, in in, in the early noughties, and we'd be close to beating them. Uh, and we'd be playing in England, and he'd come up with the right play at the right time, and we'd lose a bloody game because of him. And I think that's a mental toughness to deal with, the pressure of being favourites, uh, losing at 12,000 miles away, and come up with the right play at the right time. So 
he has my respect for the, the toughest player in terms of being just being able to come up with that right moment, the right time in really difficult games. So for for me, that would be him. Uh, two brilliant players, mate, and uh, yeah, I don't think. Thing anyone... is, Nick, Nick, neither of us would that. ever be mentioned as toughest player or best opposition or best teammate. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. but to, to maybe, maybe toughest drinker, but uh, well, maybe, maybe that's a good accolade. <laughs> It's a great accolade. You all need one of them in your team. Yeah, no, I know. But uh, yeah, mate, two fantastic players, mate. And thank you very, very much thank for your time, James. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And anyone, anyone that's listening, please, please um, do donate. Uh, when is the ultra marathon again? Beginning of October. Yeah, 3rd of October. 3rd yeah. of October. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've donated already. I might probably donate a little bit more later on. But, uh, you know, Denty, you're doing it with, is a good friend of mine as well. And uh, I'll be keeping a close eye on it. And, it's a phenomenal challenge you're doing, mate, and uh, even more so. It's you know it's a really really important cause, um, you know, not just for Rob but for the illness and for his family as well. And uh, thanks very much again. Great uh, stuff. Thanks for your yeah. time. Thanks for having us on. It was awesome. Mate. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for that. Cheers, lads. Pleasure. Cheers, mate. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. Thanks to Jamie for joining us. Don't forget you can watch all our interviews over on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. 